Hello, one and all, and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, and genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Suffield. I'm your host, and I'm very excited to welcome you guys to the very first 2023 episode of Film Fragments, where today we are going to be talking about our favorite film star and Oscar-winning actor Christian Bale. His newest film, The Pale Blue Eye, drops on Netflix this weekend, and I thought this would be a great way to kick off the new year. I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday a happy and safe new year. We're in 2023. It's a new year, new us, lots of great content coming your way this year. And this is a great way to start off the new year for Film Fragments. And today, joining me to talk about Christian Bale, I wrote quite a hefty introduction for this person. Like, oh my God, there's so many things that could be said about this particular guest, and I'm so excited to welcome her. So let me read you guys this introduction that I wrote. <clears throat> I have to clear my throat because there's a lot to be said. So, she is based out of the Mid-Atlantic region. She is an actor, historian, podcaster, journalist, and all-around nerd. She is a member of the Hollywood Critics Association, Screen Actors Guild, and the Cherry Picks. She is a Ron Tomatoes-approved critic. She has a bachelor's in historic preservation. She has a master's in engaged anthropology. She is the co-host of Petticoats and Poppies, the co-host of Outer Rim Beacon, runs Millennial Falcon Reviews, host of Starbucks Lovers, the Taylor Swift Podcast, and... And she is the lead news editor of Collider. Guys, Maggie Lovett is here with me today to talk about Christian Bale. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Hello, Brian. Thank you so much. That When you lay it all out like that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I told you, you had a lot of cool information about yourself. I really did. I did not realize that. <laughs> it's such an honor to have you on film fragments it's honestly like to kick off the year and have you be our first guest this year it's really really exciting so really thank you for coming on here thank you so much for having me seriously of course i'm so excited to be talking to you about mr christian bale and to throw a nice curveball question about christian bale to you you have the opportunity to take one christian bale character out to dinner where it's with your family friends or yourself which character would you pick Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like the obvious answer has to be Bruce Wayne. Yes. Um, as somebody who has cosplayed specifically as Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, yeah, <laughs> we're going out to dinner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great pick. I mean, it's a very obvious pick, but it's a damn, damn good pick. Like, oh, my mm -hmm. God, it's so, so good. So, crazy enough for me, I am actually going to go with a completely different character that he played under the direction of Christopher Nolan. I'm going to go with Alfred from The Prestige. Oh, see, that would be my number two. So I respect that. I, I have a, I'm a sucker for magic. I love magicians. And him in that role as the professor, I would <laughs> love to take him out to dinner. I mean, if he could find a way to not have me pay for it, that's totally fine with me, but yeah, that'd be a great way to have dinner with a character played by Christian Bale. And to go into a little bit about yourself, obviously I've read so many facts about yourself, <laughs> so talk a little bit about your history with film, your journey of getting yourself into film, and why you love it so much. What is Maggie's oh, story with film? Oh gosh, I... I love movies. I know that sounds really like nerdy to say, but some of my earliest memories, ironically, are um, seeing the Batman movies, um, Michael Keaton, George Clooney, 
those Batman movies back in the day uh, in theaters uh, with my parents and then watching them to death when they were on VHS. Like, I wore out um, the Batman movie with Penguin, like, to death as a child <laughs> to the point where the, the VHS died. Um, but I've always been, like, super, super fascinated with, like, the entertainment industry, like, as a whole. Um, I was an only child, so a lot of my... And I was homeschooled, uh, which is, like, just a lot of isolation there. Um, and so I would create a lot of like additional stories to like movies and tv shows that i watch and then i would act them out and i have lots of home videos of that and like i was my own manager and it was like a whole bit that i had through most of my childhood uh and then like when i was a little bit older i did some acting um in community theater and then i got this opportunity to work in film and I even worked on Wonder Woman 1984 for 30 days. <laughs> and so like, it was like all of these things kind of just like led to me in my adulthood, getting to do the things that like childhood me would have had like an absolute field day with. And I just love every aspect of film. And I think actually ending up working on sets uh, completely changed my approach to film and television because I saw how it worked. I saw the hours, I felt the fatigue and it completely changed the way that I watch movies and the way that I, even like as a critic, interact with them. I always try to consider the human toll that went into making movies, even the worst ones. There are some exceptions, like that heinous princess movie that came out last year that gets no sympathy for me. Um, but I do try to approach movies um, from a much more human standpoint. And then obviously like you, you read my resume. It doesn't sound like somebody who, um, planned on doing this you know history anthropology those kind of things um so i have taken very much a roundabout route to get to the point where i am but at the same time i feel like everything was leading here uh because when i was in college uh i drove everybody around me crazy because i would get the new york times and i would read like all of the reviews and i would talk about nielsen ratings uh and i would spend like all of my time on tumblr writing like five thousand word uh, meta, as we used to call it, about characters and things that I thought were going to happen on TV shows, and, like my opinions and like my reviews. And now all of that I just, I do and I get paid for it, which still kind of like blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like I was always headed here. I find things from my childhood where there was like a, a home video where I was just like being goofy. I was like four or five and I'm like, I'm going to be on TV one day. Uh, and I was. <laughs> Uh, and then there's like old footage of me like do, doing movie reviews, um, like where I set up a little desk and I'm pretending to be like, I don't know, somebody probably on ABC talking about movies. And <laughs> so it's, I, I've always, it's, it was always going to be here. I just took a, an interesting route to get here and it's all ended up, I use my anthropology like every single time I, I approach um, any sort of, you know, review or critical analysis and stuff. I mean, I even use history, obviously, with this, you know, the pale blue eye, because I love Poe and I've visited all of the historic sites that Poe's been to. So it's like, it always just follows me. No, I love your journey so much. And I remember when I first came across your work a little over a year ago, and I was just seeing how you act and then you are an entertainment reporter and a film critic, and then you have a history background. And that's to me is just so inspiring to see you go from one career to another but you're still so passionate about what it is that you had studied that's really cool in my opinion i think i think that's great and yeah i really just sitting back and listening to your journey just like 
moved me. I was like, wow, just seeing her go from this and that to that and this, it's like, it literally left me speechless. The last four minutes of you describing your history with film and what got you into it and everything else, it's like, wow, just so awe-inspiring. I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a testament to the fact that you don't have to go to school for film analysis you can come from any walk of life and still mm -hmm. end up in the same place as everybody else because it's all about like people will trick themselves into thinking that um, film analysis and film criticism is some sort of unbiased process but all of us have opinions and all of our final opinions on things come from personal you know experience and our worldviews and you know things that have happened to us throughout our lives and i think that like it's a much more interesting world when we all have the same job but we all have different backgrounds exactly exactly i can relate to that greatly and you know to go into a little bit about our topic with christian bale He's regarded as one of the best actors working today. He's very committed to his craft. He's obviously very well known for his approaches when it comes to method acting, gaining weight and losing weight and committing to roles, disappearing, hiding himself, and just really going all out with all the roles that he's tackled. So why do you think a lot of people celebrate Christian Bale as one of the best actors working today? And why do you think a lot of people get excited whenever they see his name attached to a project? And what makes you such a fan of his work? Oh gosh, I have loved Christian Bale ever since I saw him in Little Women. Um, and I have like followed his career the entire time. Batman is what like triggered me like a sleeper agent where I was just like Christian Bale and only Christian Bale, um, which is just like a thing that happens to me. But I think it's the way that he loses himself in roles. And while I am very against method acting, mm -hmm. I haven't seen him fall prey to some of the more dangerous aspects of method acting like i think what he does to his body is horrible and i think that the fact that the industry has normalized that as something that is expected rather than like the exception uh is is very problematic um and there's definitely those things that like frustrate me with him because i i do love him as an actor i think he's an incredible performance but it, it does my soul a bit to know like how much he has hurt his own body and like his own mental health with the things that he's done for the roles that he has taken on and there's that's a whole whole separate journey that we could take um on that line of conversation um but i think it's the way that he vanishes into roles so seamlessly but he hasn't fallen prey to some of the, the same kinds of like horrible things you hear about method acting like Jared Leto and those kinds of um, scenarios have kind of helped keep him a little bit above what you usually hear when it comes to method actors if that makes sense no it absolutely makes sense because when you look into a lot of the method actors that are working today or had worked previously you hear about all these terrible stories about what they go through and how they're so deep into the method acting that it causes a lot of pain not just to themselves but everyone around them and christian bale is one of those guys that yeah even though what he's done to his body is really disturbing and sickly he doesn't disappear that far into the role where he's causing harm 
to other people that are working alongside him. And what I love about Christian Bale so much and why I think he's one of the best actors working today is that he's a performer that loves to show so much range. He loves to tackle all these different genres. My problem with certain actors is that they stick to one specific genre, one specific tone. But Christian Bale... In his almost 50 years on Earth, he's done practically everything. He's even done mus a musical before, and that's crazy. He's played the comic book superhero. He's played the comic book villain. He's done comedies. He's done dramas. He's done horror movies, thrillers. He's worked with all these celebrated filmmakers. I mean, for goodness sakes, one of the first films that he ever did, he worked with Steven Spielberg, and he's since worked with so many incredible filmmakers since – and again, it just shows how much range and commitment he has as a performer and how he loves to expand his horizons and go down these different paths and tackle these different genres. And that's why I think a lot of people love him so much, even though they may question some of his methods when it comes to how he approaches his performances. I love the fact that he always commits. He always gives 110%, even if the movie that he's in is really, really awful. You never have qualms about christian bale's performance like you walk out of a movie that he's in and you may not necessarily like the movie but it's very hard to say i didn't like christian bale in it he's always good in everything that he does and that's why he continues to be one of the best actors working today exactly you hit the nail on the head there well i'm glad i did as the host i think that's my job to do that <laughs> So, without further ado, let's not waste any time. Let's get into our top five Christian Bale films. So, Maggie, what is your number five favorite Christian Bale film of all time? So, I think this is pretty ironic considering what your pick was for your dinner guest. Uh, the Prestige is my number five. Um, I just I love this movie. How can you go wrong with Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and Michael Caine and Scarlett Johansson and like there's just there's so much about this movie that I just and I mean Christopher Nolan like it's just like it's a dream team and I think I watched this one during my binge years ago when I was in college and I think I watched this like three times I own it on DVD like I really enjoyed this film I haven't admittedly rewatched it since that binge um so it's been about mm, 10 years i have seen it like you know when tnt or i don't know if you have like direct tv or that but like when they'll replay older movies mm -hmm. and like you watch like random bits of it like i've yep. seen bits of it since then like it'll be on or like oh the prestige is on like you know it's going to be a good time whether you're at the beginning the middle or the end of the movie so like i've seen bits of it since the original times that i watched it um, but it's just like, it's one of those movies that you know you're in for a good time. Pass. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to pass on this one. It's a little higher on my list, and I cannot wait to talk about it. I'm so excited to talk about it. So, <laughs> I will admit that my number five is not the easiest film to talk about because, unfortunately, the filmmaker that made the film is a god-awful human being, but oh, no. but when I saw this film it, back in 2010, this was the year where I started getting into film. This was the year where I started paying attention to films and how they were made and what went into making them. And I started seeing all these critically acclaimed films and I started paying attention to the Oscars. 
So I will admit that even though this filmmaker, whose name I will not say on air, is a massive pile of shit, and we don't like to talk about negativity on this show, I just wanted to recognize that the performance that Christian Bale gave in The Fighter is absolutely extraordinary. Mm. And it's a performance to me that really riveted me when I saw it. And I really love my experience watching this film for the first time because I was 12 and I wasn't as well-rounded with film as I am now. So I remember going to see this movie because I love myself a good sports film. I don't care about sports in real life. I literally don't give a shit. But if there's a good film and sports are in it and it just finds a way of being a good film on its own, then I'm going to be excited to see it. And I have to commend the three central performances in this movie from Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, and Amy Adams. I think all of them showcase some of their best work in this film. Amy Adams especially is phenomenal. I think her fake Boston accent is so perfect. I'm a sucker for fake Boston accents. I don't know why, but they're so exaggerated and so over the top. And some of these people who are obviously not from Boston, when they do a good Boston accent, I will acknowledge it. I mean, nothing tops Tom Hanks' fake Boston accent and Catch Me If You Can. Nothing has ever topped that for me, but this is not far behind. And... Christian Bale's portrayal of Dickie Eklund is absolutely heartbreaking to watch. Christian Bale obviously lost a lot of weight for this. This was right after The Dark Knight came out. And he played a a former boxer who was at his peak, uh, who peaked very early in his career, and he succumbed to a severe drug addiction. And throughout the movie... Even though he loves his brother more than anything in the world, he's a he loves his family, but he struggles with this addiction, and it causes so much turmoil in the whole family that it's a spiraling family drama, and I think it's pretty riveting, and Christian Bale's performance really is wonderful. It won him his first Academy Award, and I think it was a very deserved win. Would it have been my personal pick that year? Probably not, but I think that... It was a very interesting win. And, you know, it was cool that when he won, it was like, oh, Christian Bale is now an Oscar-winning performer. And I love the back and forth he has with Mark Wahlberg. I love the sequence on the deck where he and Amy Adams go at it. I think that was great, considering the fact that they've worked together so many times since. I think that's so interesting to see the progression in their careers of working together. And... Again, the boxing sequences I think are great. I like the gritty approach to the film. And yeah, I love The Fighter, even though I can recognize that the person who made it is a fucking scumbag. But again, I try not to be negative on this show because doing this show makes me glow with so much positivity because I get to talk to film geeks like Maggie and I get to talk about films that mean the world to me and also hear about why these films mean so much to my guests. But The Fighter is a very good film, in my opinion. And I couldn't have not put it on the list because it really is one of Christian Bale's best performances. I really love the film. And I know there are a lot of people that, that don't like it, and that's totally fine. Everything's subjective. But this guy right here really does like The Fighter. So I'm going to assume it's not on your list, but I'm really curious to not. hear your thoughts on The Fighter. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. I do really enjoy The Fighter. Um, 
it's so funny. There's a song by The Fray that's called The Fighter, and I used to listen to The Fray album when I would drive to college, and so this was like perfectly timed with that. So I would always think of this movie when that song would come on. Yeah, um, I do really enjoy it. Um, obviously, the director is a not great person, <laughs> and it is it's frustrating that Christian Bale continues to work with him. But is. that is a conversation for another day, as you said. Um, <laughs> but it is it is a really good movie, and you're right. Like the way that Christian Bale and Amy Adams interact in this movie is so phenomenal, and they have such good scene chemistry together. The way they act off each other is just dynamite to watch in whatever project they're in together. It's not on. My, it's it's probably low on my like my top ten, maybe. It might be like number eleven if we like really mm. stretched out. Yeah. The list. Yeah. Do you think his Oscar win was deserving? Um, I do. I to be honest, I can't remember what else was up uh for or who else was up for um, the nomination that year. I have that list there. pulled up right now, actually. Fantastic. I do not remember the movies that year. Okay. So up for best supporting actor that year at the Oscars. We had John Hawks for Winter's Bone, Jeremy Renner for The Town, Mark Ruffalo at The Kids Are All Right, and Jeffrey Wright for The King's Speech. Oh, I was a King's Speech girl that year. But I, I do think I wanted that to just, like, sweep everything. But I do think it was deserved. Yeah. And I think I like that it came at that point in his career because it didn't feel like Leonardo DiCaprio winning for The Revenant. Yeah, like, exa- exactly. He didn't, he didn't get he didn't get an honorary Oscar for like finally holding out and finally getting one. It felt like mm-hmm. it came at a point where he was his star was naturally rising. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although I'll be completely upfront and say that the true best supporting actor that year wasn't even nominated for an Oscar, and that was Andrew Garfield for The Social Network. Like, I, oh yeah, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, like, I mean, if you're gonna pick a good second place i guess christian bale is a good second place but it's like no supporting actor performance that year was on the same level to me as andrew garfield in the social network like come on and talk about a movie that has persevered exactly that film literally is in my top 10 of all time that's literally in my top 10 of all time like oh my god but that's another discussion for another time because Christian Bale has no affiliation with the social network at all. And unfortunately, like, because of that, we can't talk about it today, but we'll talk about it probably on future <laughs> episodes for sure. So uh, now going into our number fours, what is your pick? Uh, I have a feeling this film is not on your list, but it is another film that Christian Bale and Amy Adams are in together. And I think this could be a controversial pick to have this high up. And I've actually never found another person that like genuinely liked this movie. Uh, and maybe I just haven't met those people. Um, but it's Vice. Um, this movie came out the first year that I got to be a voting member of the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, and so this was like one of the first screeners I ever got sent to my house. And I have it on DVD and like I got to watch it. It was very, very exciting for me. Um, and I otherwise like would not have watched this movie because I have a lot of like PTSD surrounding 9-11 and so like I try to stay away from anything that has to do with like the Bush presidency and like Mm -hmm. any of the stuff leading up into after that and actually had friends that were like maybe maybe don't watch this um but I I watched it and I loved it I had so much fun with this movie 
I talked about it to people, like I recommended it to people. I had never seen, to my knowledge, an Adam McKay movie before, and I really liked his style of I don't want to say absurdist, but because it's not absurdist, but to an extent, like there's some of that absurdist styling to it. The way that he takes these very real people who have done really horrible things and approaches them with like, look at these idiots. And like the way that he approaches comedy is great. It's the same with like, I really like Don't Look Up. I like Don't Look Up too. And I know that like, that's a very hot take, but I really like Don't Look Up. I've met people who have told me they won't even watch movies that Adam McKay has like a producer credit on. Like they just whole hard just do not like this man's like style. Um, and it works for me. Like I have a really specific taste when it comes to comedy and drama and specifically political satire. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of like scratches that itch for me in a really, I don't know. I like him. I like the stuff that he's produced. I like the stuff he's directed, written, all that kind of stuff. But I really enjoyed Vice. I had expected Vice to actually get a lot more awards buzz than it did. It didn't really do as well as I would have liked it to do, perhaps. But 2018 was a fairly stacked year in terms of films and stuff. Um, but I thought Christian Bale was fantastic in this role. Like, of all the actors out there, I would not have expected Christian Bale to play Dick Cheney. Uh, but he did it really well. And I actually have watched this movie, like, a couple of times um and i just i really enjoy it i I mean the whole film is fantastic like the cast list is insane of course like amy adams and you have like sam rockwell uh and steve Krell and allison pill and like all of these people um wait i think even lily Reid was in that isn't she yeah, yeah she was it's, in this show it's crazy the people um that are in this and like jesse Plemons. like it's just insane i love this movie so much i I'm kind of surprised it made it into my top five, but like looking at his full filmography, I'm like that is a movie that I I took a lot of joy from, even though it's it's a topic that's like really frustrating and um I don't know I have a weird very weird relationship with this period in American history because I live near DC and like I have family who work for the government and like yeah uh <laughs> like I am a, a literal degree of separation away from Dick Cheney uh the real one um so like it was it was unexpected how much i liked this movie and how much i liked christian bale in this role and i don't know i feel like it's really controversial that it's in my top five <laughs> you're gonna say pass i know i can feel it i can feel it i know it's not your number four it's playing not even on your list but <laughs> i the glow that you had talking about this movie really is amazing and I feel so bad to stomp on it because I hate this movie so much. <laughs> it's totally fine. I know so many people who don't like it. Like, I've come to terms with it. <laughs> and here's the thing, too. I love Adam McKay a lot. I, I'm a big Adam McKay fan. I love practically all the comedies he's directed with Will Ferrell. I loved The Big Short so much. And I am a fan of Don't Look Up. And, you know, I get it why people don't like it. I get it, but, like... Honestly, there were far worse movies that came out in 2021. So, and that's just my opinion, but um, you're right, though. <laughs> I mean, like, I I don't want to go on a rant about my particular least favorite film of that year. I'm not going to do that on camera because then we're going to be here for two hours, and I don't want that to happen. But here's the thing: like, I will tell you, Christian Bale was fucking incredible as Dick Cheney. 
And I honestly feel he was a more deserving best actor win than the person who ended up taking best actor from him that year. I would not have been angry if he had walked away with the best actor Oscar for this. He wouldn't have been my personal pick, but I wouldn't have been angry if he walked away with this. And his performance really is extraordinary. The makeup work done on him is incredible. Obviously, Christian Bale gained weight to play Dick Cheney. They made him look exactly like him, which is incredible because Christian Bale was in his early 40s when he made this movie, and they made him look like he was in his 60s, and it's like, oh my god, that's Christian Bale. Like You forget you're watching just someone playing Dick Cheney and you're not watching the real Dick Cheney. Exactly. It's... There was so many times that I was like, wait, this is Christian Bale. Like, I had to keep reminding myself this is not Dick Cheney. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the power of great acting, truly. Like, he's extraordinary. Amy Adams, like, my God, phenomenal in this. She is amazing. Like, I, as a huge fan of If Beale Street Could Talk, I think if that movie did not come out in 2018, I deep down, I think Amy Adams could have walked away with the Supporting Actress Oscar if if Beale Street Could Talk did not come out in 2018. I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks that, but I really think that this would have been a great performance to award Amy Adams her first Oscar for, her first long overdue Oscar. Again, another discussion for a different time. But yeah, I found the movie to be... I honestly think that when I watched it, I just wasn't in the right mindset to watch it because I was so excited to see it because of how much I loved The Big Shore and I obviously love everybody that's in this film. But And I love political satires when done right, but I don't know. This just didn't vibe with me as well as I wanted it to. I also found it to be quite long and I don't know. But I will say that that big monologue that he gives to the interviewer, I think in the third act, I've only seen the movie once, I haven't seen it since it came out, but when he literally says that bone-chilling delivery of, we saw 3,000 innocent people burned to death by these monsters, and yet you object when I refuse to kiss those monsters on the cheek and say, pretty please, you answer me this, what terrorist attack would you have to let go forward so you wouldn't seem like a mean and nasty fella? That monologue literally gave me chills, and I said to my friends who I saw it with, I'm like, this has to be his Oscar clip, and thank God it was because, oh my God. When I, wa when I watched the Oscars that year and they played that clip, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting chills again just thinking about that jaw-droppingly incredible scene and that delivery. It's such an incredible delivery. Oh, God, and that makeup work on him too. Jesus. It's so good. It's so impeccable. Ugh. I might have to give this movie another chance because it's... I like literally every other Adam McKay movie, and this is the only film from him that I don't like. So I have to give this another chance. I really do. And for anyone out there that's like, oh, I'm not going to watch anything Adam McKay produces, does that mean you're not going to watch Succession? Because that's one of the best shows on TV right now? Like... Are you telling me you're not going to watch anything that he produces? Like, The Menu He's was produced... one of the best films of last year. It, both, the, both The Menu and Fresh were oh, produced by I love Fresh so much. <laughs> like, two of my favorite films. Oh, like, Fresh yeah, is so he's good. obviously had some, like, big duds. Like, not everything he's produced with Will Ferrell has been good. Uh, I'm thinking about Holmes and Watson's. Oh, but Maggie, that's like the best film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, how can you not 
watch i don't know it just when I, i've met like three people this year that had that reaction and i was like i don't know okay die on the hill i guess oh, oh and eurovision eurovision was so much fun and he also produced that you know i still haven't oh. seen that movie i still haven't seen it, it is so hilarious like be prepared to just laugh the entire so i love like actual eurovision yeah um and so as soon as i found out they made a movie about it i was like yeah sign me up it's so funny it's so weird so weird. Yeah, I definitely got to add that to my list. Um, I'm definitely doing a Rachel McAdams podcast down the road, so I definitely have to watch that for her. And I'm very excited to do that. And you'll be the first person I know, I the first person I talk to once I watch it. Like, fantastic. I, I'm not Please gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk to anybody else. I'm gonna be like, if someone's like, oh, what you think of your revision? I'm like, I have to tell Maggie first, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so interestingly enough, my number four is a completely different film from Vice. I'm going with House Moving Castle from Hayao Miyazaki. So yes. <laughs> so I will say that I like. Look, I'm not that old. I'm only 24, but I will say that I got into Hayao Miyazaki's films a lot later than I wanted to. I had seen some of them when I was a kid, but as I got older, I was just like, oh, I really need to sit down to really sit down and pay attention to Hayao's films because while I was in awe of them when I was a kid, when I re when I watched them as an adult, I'm like, oh man, there's just so much that I never picked up on when I was a kid. So at the height of COVID, they dropped all of Studio Ghibli's films on HBO Max, and I'm like, okay, now is the time to sit down and watch all of Hayao Miyazaki's films. I did a Hayao Miyazaki podcast at the start of COVID, and I loved practically every film that he's directed, and Howl's Moving Castle is criminally underrated. When people talk about their favorite films from this man, this rarely gets talked about, which is so disappointing. But then again, when you have a catalog of films that consist of Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Nausicaa, the list is Castle in the Sky, Ponyo, The Wind Rises. The list is so full of quality film after film after film. So it's very easy to forget about House Move Castle, but it's also kind of a sin to forget about House Move Castle. So it's a very interesting love story about a girl named Sophie who is cursed by a witch into an old woman's body. And then it follows her coming across this magician named Hal, who is so self-indulgent, but he's also very insecure about a lot of stuff that he does. And this came out in the mid-2000s. So this was when Christian Bale was on his very hot streak of doing these smaller independent films. This was around the time that he started doing the Dark Knight trilogy. And the idea to have Christian Bale voice the English dub of this character in this film directed by this pioneer of not only animation, but just a filmmaking period. I think it's a pitch perfect casting. And even though this isn't my favorite film from Hayao Miyazaki, I stand by saying that my personal favorite casting in a Hayao Miyazaki film is Christian Bale as Hal. He is so great in this role. And voice acting is not a very easy thing to pull off. And I always get very hit or miss when it comes to high profile actors voicing roles in movies because I 
really wish that more voice actors would get the recognition that these high-profile voice actors get. But when you have a really great actor delivering a great voice performance in a movie, then that's a great thing to acknowledge. And Christian Bale gives one of the best animated performances I've ever heard in this film. I haven't seen it since the height of COVID, and I wasn't able to re-watch it for this episode, but I remember watching it just being absolutely riveted by the animation is gorgeous. The voice cast surrounding Christian Bale is great. And I also found the story to be incredibly compelling. This is not a film that kids are necessarily going to eat up. But there's a lot here for kids to enjoy the awe and the scope of it. But then the story elements are so deep and grounded and raw. Which is something that I really appreciate about Miyazaki. Is that he doesn't shy away from tackling these very mature themes in his films. And How's Movie Castle is absolutely exceptional. So I have to ask. Are you going to pass or is this not on your list? It is not on my list, but I do love this movie, and I also watched it for the first time during the pandemic. I think I watched it on Halloween of 2021. Oh. Um, I loved this movie so much. I had seen parts of it, but, like, I... You know how, like, some people can be really obnoxious about their love for animated movies, and, like, yes. it puts you off of them? Oh, yeah. So I had, I had friends who were, like, really, really, really into Studio Ghibli stuff, and the way that they approached it was completely put it off yeah for me so i had to come to it on my own and i was really disappointed that i hadn't watched this like sooner because one christian bale and two this relationship in this movie is like my catnip and like everything about this movie was like my catnip um and i loved it and i've watched it several times since that time because it's just felt so good and i was so sad that i did not have it in my life so much earlier yeah i mean I'm so happy that Hayao is coming out with a new film this year. I It feels very euphoric that we're actually getting in the same year as like a Christopher Nolan film, a Denis Villeneuve film, a Scorsese film, a Greta Gerwig film, that we're also getting a Hayao Miyazaki film. I thought he was done. I really thought that we were never going to see a new film from him again. And I know for years he's been saying, no, I got another one in me. I could do one more. If his next film is his last one, it's going to be such a sad watch because he really is one of the greatest storytellers that we've ever gotten. And when he passes on, it's going to be such a loss that mm -hmm. we we don't get animations like the ones that he does here in the United States. And no disrespect to pixar or dreamworks or illumination or the american animation studios we have but the work that studio ghibli does is so unprecedented and so unique and so innovative that i wish we got more films like that here in the united states you know what i mean yes i yes <laughs> It's it's just so good. It's so good. I'm so glad that I, I got to put it on my list because at one point it wasn't in my top five, but then I'm like, no, I have to give a shout out to House Movie Castle because it really is one of the best films of Christian Bale's filmography. So now going into our number threes, what is your pick? So I think I said this before we actually started recording. It was really hard for me to pick a Batman film um, because I do look at that trilogy as one characters so it's like one role that christian bale has played um but i did decide which of the three movies and like the thing is is that this is 
this is not picking which one I think is better. This is just picking the one that I've watched the most and the one that like is my favorite, I guess. Um, and it is The Dark Knight Rises. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like this one. I loved it. Uh, I'm a Catwoman girly and specifically a Bat-Cat girly. Uh, and so, yeah. So everything about Bruce and Selina in this just like brought me from his joy. Um, it's definitely not the best Bat-Cat we've ever gotten. Um, I am quite partial to what we got from the Robert Pattinson. Oh. Love them so much. It oh my God. brought me so much joy. <laughs> um, but, and maybe this is just because it's i don't know i'm different now than i was when this movie came out but <laughs> i have not i have not re-watched the most recent batman movie the matt reeves batman um whereas when this movie came out i watched this movie so so many times like i had a shrine to this movie i have bane bobbleheads i have i have Christian Bale bobbleheads. I have every single toy that I could find at the like Target that was near my college. I have a Batman mask. I have like his mask. I I bought the Selena Kyle costume. I pulled a Christian Bale and I lost a ton of weight in very unhealthy ways to fit into the costume. Like I love this movie. I was obsessed with this movie in a way that uh, I haven't been obsessed with a superhero movie since maybe Wonder Woman. Um, I, I just, I love this movie so much. And I know there's a lot of things wrong with it. Like, I I do love Tom Hardy's Bane. But oh. if you're looking at the comics, like, Talia al Ghul and Bane are both completely miscast. The way that they created those characters is, like, just devastating considering who they are in the comics. Yeah. But for what, what this film is and the way that Nolan chose to approach the characters, it's not the worst. Um, and like, I enjoyed his performance of this. I love that we get to see Bruce Wayne, you know, the way that Bruce Wayne comes back from the things that happened in the previous films and the way that like Selena brings him back to life in some of those like fun cat and mouse scenes. And like, it's where you get to see Christian Bale play a hero that has fallen. And I like the way that he rebuilds that character. Yeah, so there is a Dark Knight film on my list, but it's not The Dark Knight Rises. Here's the thing. The Dark Knight Rises gets this weird flack from people that I don't understand. I love The Dark Knight Rises so much. I think, first of all, it's a great way to have wrapped up this trilogy. I think it's one of the best trilogy conclusions that we've ever gotten. And honestly, for it being as long as it was... I could have watched more. This movie clocks in at almost three hours long. Didn't feel like that to me. This movie honestly felt less than two hours long. And I remember when I went to go see it, I can't believe this movie's over now more than 10 years old. I can't, I literally can't believe me. it. Like, I remember, <laughs> because again, like at that point, I wasn't really following film. I remember going to see Deathly Hallows Part 2 in theaters, opening night. <laughs> And I remember they did the announcement teaser. They're like, the Dark Knight Rises one year from now. And they're like, the conclusion to the Dark Knight saga. And I'm like, the conclusion? What? No, I want more of Batman. But also at that point, I didn't even know they were making another Dark Knight movie. So I was oh, like, God. I was like, yay, this is great. Um, no, I love the Dark Knight Rises. It's a great conclusion to this story. 
it's not my favorite in the trilogy, but I, I love all three of them equally. I think they're all great it's films. It's so hard to choose. It, it really is hard to choose. And this isn't even my favorite trilogy of all time. I would say this is probably my third or maybe fourth favorite trilogy of all time. It's, it's hard. I mean, like, look, listen, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings stan, and that's probably my favorite trilogy. And then the before trilogy is, like, right there. So it's it's hard to choose my favorite trilogy of all time. But in terms of the comic book trilogies, this is my favorite one that we've gotten. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, a close second is the Captain America trilogy. That's, like, a close second in terms of the comic book trilogies i know you're a huge fan of civil war so i am <laughs> um i remember you posted your letterbox like year in review and it's like i watched civil war so many times and i'm like oh my god like <laughs> that's incredible i love that yeah, so much i had i had a moment last year where i just watched it like every day yeah, it was <laughs> it's a it's a great fucking movie though so it's like i can't blame you there um but yeah, I, I love The Dark Knight Rise. It's great, 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 great film. And there's two things that I have to say before wrapping it up. One of my favorite deliveries in any Christopher Nolan film exchanges is when she gets into the um the bat copter, helicopter, or whatever the fuck it was. My water my mother warns me about getting into cars with strange men. This isn't a car. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh gosh. There's it. just this so many good lines. I, I, the... I, oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I could do a whole impression of him on this podcast, but I really don't want to drain my voice, so I can't do it. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll say is, if I don't say this on air, it will kill me. So I have to shout out the fact that <laughs> my future brother-in-law, he was an extra in this movie because they shot some of it here in Jersey. So he's yep. an, so he's an extra in this. I knew that if I didn't shout shout that out, he would have gotten mad at me. So Scott, there's your shout out. You're welcome. Oh, I love that. Oh God, great, great film, great film. So, really? fittingly enough, my number three is The Dark Knight. <laughs> So, listen, what could be said about The Dark Knight that hasn't been said these last 15 years? One of the greatest superhero films ever brought to screen. One of the best comic book adaptations we've ever gotten. Batman Begins was so fucking good that a lot of people were wondering, what is Christopher Nolan going to do with The Dark Knight? Is he going to be on the same level? Is it not going to be as good? Or is it going to find a way to top that? And like I said, I love all three of these films equally. But I'm eating my words at the same time when I say that because The Dark Knight is so spectacular in every single department across the board. Seriously, one of the best films of that entire year. The scope that Christopher Nolan presents by making it this very raw and gritty crime drama is so compelling. And the fact that it's a raw, gritty crime drama, but then Batman is in it, it's so impressive how he was able to balance that. And the ensemble here, across the board, is amazing. And, of course, Christian Bale is fantastic. He's so good as Bruce Wayne Batman. And this was really the first time where a lot of people were talking about the voice. I remember when I saw this when I was 10 years old. Oh, my God. that I feel old just saying that I was 10 when 
the Dark Knight came out. Like, it just, oh, my God. I remember that whole summer, and all my friends went to go see it. And it was, oh, my God. God, I don't want to bring up my age anymore on this podcast. I can't do it. Like, I'm two You're months. making me feel really old. I'm two <laughs> months away from being 25. I can't, I can't bring up my age anymore. That's the last time it's I'm happening. Two mu- I'm two months away from turning 30, if that makes you feel oh, geez. better or worse. Oh, jeez. <laughs> March 17th. <laughs> March 12th, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Pisces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Christian Bale, great. Listen, no disrespect to Katie Holmes, but Maggie Joan Hall was a far superior Rachel. I think if you were going to replace anybody to play that character, Maggie Joan Hall was the pitch perfect replacement because she adds so much to the character of Rachel that, quite frankly, in my opinion, was my least favorite aspect of Batman Begins. And when everything happened with Rachel in the Dark Knight, I was like, oh, I'm actually invested in this character. Not just because Maggie Gyllenhaal is so good as the character, but Christopher Nolan adds so much more for her to do and made her not a damsel in distress, but actually a character that was interesting to follow. And I loved following her journey. And then, of course, Michael Caine as Alfred, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, Killian Murphy in his little time in this incredible of course um i will tell you that when i got older and i realized that anthony michael hall was in this movie i literally got shaken up i was like why the fuck is brian from the breakfast club in this movie i literally don't understand but honestly i got so happy seeing him in this and then who else was in here there was another weird casting but i'm trying to remember who it was oh don't remember it was like a very unique out of left field cast and oh eric roberts that was that was very out of left field seeing him in this uh as a fan of lost seeing nestor carbonell in this that was great seeing him in this i loved seeing him in that but and then also gary oldman is commissioner gorder he's fantastic of course aaron eckhart is harvey dent two-face haunting there was a period where i never wanted to watch any movie with aaron eckhart because all i was going to think about was him as two-face but now i'm way past that stage because i've seen him in so many great movies but he really like disappears in this role but of course i mean heath ledger is the joker arguably one of the best performances that i have ever seen um you know the fact that this performance won in the Academy Award is still so shocking to me because you would think the Academy would not reward a comic book movie performance, but this was more than just a comic book movie performance. This was a legit, bone-chilling, gut-wrenchingly terrifying performance that honestly wowed so many people. Even the people that didn't like The Dark Knight walked out of it saying, Heath Ledger floored me. The stakes were so much higher this time around, and the Joker was a great villain to be the middle villain for this trilogy. And, I mean, he disappeared into the role, and it breaks my heart every time I talk about this movie because I wish that we could see what kind of films Heath Ledger would be in if he were still alive. But this is a bone-chillingly beautiful performance that just talking about it right now is giving me chills because what he brought to this performance really terrifies me. 
and the fact that he's not here anymore is just so devastating mm-hmm. but it's a performance that you really can't talk it's a performance that you can't push aside when talking about the dark knight when you talk about the dark knight of course you're going to be talking about heath ledger as the joker because he was the mvp of the movie he stole the movie he was incredible the fact that he won all these awards is so impressive i always think back to that oscar speech when his parents walked up on stage and accepted the oscar on his behalf i also think about the speech at the golden globes where christopher nolan came on stage to accept his award and was just talking so highly about working with him and i remember watching interviews of christian bale and every other actor just talking about how much of a joy it was to get to work with heath ledger and yeah and i know this is a christian bale podcast like i know i've been spending so many minutes talking about heath ledger but you can't talk about the dark knight without talking about Heath Ledger and yeah the film is incredible the stakes are so high it's thrilling it's on the edge of your seat the score by Hans Zimmer is incredible the cinematography is gorgeous the interrogation scene is one of the best scenes I think I've ever seen on screen the ending is top 10 endings of all time I loved seeing an audience reaction video of that of how everyone cheers and hollers like I remember being in the theater watching this when I was a kid and I just remember being so wild like I literally my jaw was on the floor and i remember leaning over to my parents i'm like that was incredible like i i had no idea how to process the nearly three hours that i had watched for this film and it's so amazing the dark knight is incredible the entire trilogy is great I mean, what can you say about this film that hasn't been said already? It should have been nominated for Best Picture. He should have been nominated for Best Director. And a lot of people do believe that this missing the Oscar 5 was the reason why they increased the nominees to 10. I am a firm believer that that might be the reason why they did that. I'm not saying it's entirely the truth, but I really think it would have been an incredible opportunity for them to have nominated this because when you look at the Oscar 5 that year, there were a lot of really great films in 2008, but this should 1,000% have gotten nominated for Best Picture. The Dark Knight, amazing film. What more can be said that has been said already? I love it so much. So obviously, since you brought up The Dark Knight Rises being the Dark Knight film that's on your list, what is your take on The Dark Knight? I honestly feel like there's not much more that can be said. I feel like you covered so much of what makes this film so good. I think I was reticent about putting it on my list simply because I do have like such a strong reaction to like the whole Heath Ledger thing. And this is probably the one that I've rewatched the least number of times, even though it is arguably the best of the trilogy. Um, just because it is so gut wrenching to remember the Heath Ledger of it all. Because he does he does completely disappear into that role. But then the like sobering reminder of the cost of disappearing into the role and what that the toll it took on him um, makes it really hard to rewatch, even though so many incredible performances are in this movie. Um, I the only times I really rewatched this weren't like intentional. It was like, oh, what's on television? Oh, TNT is rerunning the trilogy. <laughs> um, and I, I caught a couple minutes of it here recently when it had its anniversary. Um, and it's, you know, when um, The Dark Knight Rises had its anniversary and they were, like, running a marathon, I caught a couple minutes of this. In the midst of that, that marathon and um, 
it's a good film and christian bale was just phenomenal in it yeah seriously i mean a truly gut it's one of those films that's like what else could be said seriously seriously it's like everyone has said practically everything that has to be said about this movie and We've had 15 years to talk about the genius of this film. It's like, what else can you say that hasn't been said already? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, if you look on like Letterboxd and stuff, I think there's a lot of people that are like, if you only have one superhero film to ever watch in your entire life, it, it needs to be this one. Yeah, I mean, this is arguably like top five superhero films of all time. It's actually not even my favorite superhero film of all time, but it's in the top five for me. It's it's so fucking good and yeah i just oh i love it so much i really really love it so with that being said it's time to get into our top two favorite films starring christian bale so obviously there's a film that i passed on already and Mm -hmm. i'm really curious for you to find out where it ranks for me so with that all being said what is your second favorite christian bale film of all time Little Women. (laughs) I know he's not in it a lot, but I really enjoy him as Laurie. Um, Controversially, he is the only Laurie I like. Um, (gasps) Sorry to Timmy. I... So I am a Professor Bearer girl, just like in general. Uh, so it takes a lot to win me over for Laurie because I just don't get the appeal of him when people want him um, with Joe. Uh, but I love everything that Christian Bale gives to this role. This is hard for me because I did have to try to choose for number two, uh, and this has no bearing on who my number one is, but I had to choose between whether or not, whether or not I like this performance or Newsies, uh, because these are my two like 90s Bale movies that I am very fond of. But I ended up going with Little Women just because this is a movie that I have revisited a lot of times. I am always stopping when I see on TikTok if somebody's made like a fan video for this Little Women and Joe and Lori. And I think he has wonderful chemistry with Benona Ryder and just like everybody in this cast that he interacts with. It's just such a fun, lighthearted, very innocent role i think that a lot of christian bale's roles later on in his career are extremely gritty and physically taxing and emotional toll driven and this is just such a fun like superior drama and it's about a family and it's about emotions and like friendships and relationships and heartbreak and like all of these like fun things and I don't know that this can be fun as well, but you you get what I mean. Yeah, I uh, and I just think that this is this is like a fun. It's a fun role for him to be in, and he's very. There's I don't know. There is a degree of innocence still in his performance, where it doesn't feel like the weight of the world has landed on his shoulders yet, and you see that in pretty much everything post first Bruce Wayne introduction all of his roles feel very weighted and very serious and very like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And this is just a a fun role that I think he really shines in. And I, I I have to say like with the pale blue eye, getting to see him once again in like a period role, I would love to see him do maybe like a period drama that has some romance in it, something fun and lighthearted again, because he really does excel 
with this specific genre and he doesn't do it nearly enough like obviously we get things like the prestige and like those kind of things but i i want the lighthearted version of historical dramas yeah so that's that is my five minute spiel for why i really appreciate this role and i'm sure it's not in your your remaining top two well let me just say that i echo your statement about how i wish that christian bale would do more period films that have romance in them to where romance is kind of at the forefront because he's mm-hmm. really great at being in he's one of those actors that could excel in being in a film that's set in present day but he also has that look for a film that's set so far in the past it's pretty incredible because there are some actors I'm not going to say names that work better in these period films than they do in films set in present day and the other way around because there's some actors where you're like, I can't see so on and so forth being in a film that's set in the 1800s. But Christian Bale, you could see him in the film that's set now in 2023. You could see him set in the film from 2095. And you could even see him in the film that's set in the 1700s. Like, it's incredible that he's able to do that. So... Here's the thing. I don't have a lot to say about this movie because I unfortunately have never seen this adaptation of Little Women. I know that's very oh sacrilege. Gosh. I know it's very sacrilegious that the only Little Women adaptation that I've seen is Greta Gerwig's adaptation. So I remember when Greta Gerwig's adaptation was coming out. And I said to myself that I was going to watch this particular adaptation. But then I decided, you know what? I kind of want to go into Greta Gerwig's version not knowing where the story goes because I've never read the story. I've never been spoiled anything that's happened with this story before. So when I saw Greta Gerwig's version in theaters, that was my first time with anything Little Women related. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know who the characters were. I had no idea that this was going to happen and that was going to happen. I was caught off guard. And I loved it (laughs) so much that I'm worried that now if I try to watch this, all I'm going to be thinking about is Greta Gerwig's gut-wrenchingly brilliant adaptation. Like, I went into that film with super high expectations because of how much I loved Lady Bird. And I wouldn't have really cared about this movie that much if Greta Gerwig was not behind it, even though I like all the actors that are in this film. But that adaptation did a lot of interesting things for me as someone who was a newcomer to the Little Women storyline and found a way to really engross me, and I have to commend that film for that. But that being said, I really want to watch the 94 adaptation because I love Winona Ryder. Obviously, I love Christian Bale. Claire Danes is in this. Uh, Susan Sarandon. I mean, how can you not love Susan Sarandon? Uh, Gabrielle no. Byrne is in it. Like, the cast here is great. Kirsten Dunst in a very early role in her career. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's hard, but it's like, will I like this more than Greta's version? Maybe not. No, will, will, I don't think you will. I, I probably won't, but I, I could see my... I don't see myself not liking this, like... I would be very surprised if I don't end up liking this, but I do you'll really enjoy need it. to watch I it. I don't think you'll like, yeah, you won't just, I would say just based off of, like, there's obviously a nostalgia factor for why a lot of us love this one, because this was like, this was our adaptation. This movie came out a year after I was born. This is the one, like, I grew up with knowing that, you know, played on PBS. 
But I think there's something to be said about the adaptations of the 80s and 90s, specifically of period dramas, which are a very specific genre in and of itself. It's not just like a historical film. It's a very specific style. And I think there's something to be said about the way that they're approached in modern days. Like, I love Greta's tremendously. Um, but there's a certain crispness. There's a certain modernity to it. A certain very fast-paced modern feel to almost every single period adaptation of these days. I mean, if you look at Emma, Emma's another really good example of a very polished, very shiny, very quick pace adaptation, whereas a lot of the ones in the 80s and 90s are very slow and very lived in and very um, true to the book in a way that I haven't seen adaptations anymore. They've obviously evolved with modern audiences who want much more fast-paced much more quick wit much like it's a very different thing it's, it's hard to put to words unless you've seen a lot of them and like compared them um so i definitely think that it would be hard going back to watch this specific little women if you didn't already have that certain degree of like fondness for it yeah but i'm still definitely gonna check it out because again, you should you should because again the talent in it is impeccable and I, God, I still can't get over how great the 2019 Little Women was and how it, like, again, for someone who had never read the story or had seen any prior adaptations or had known anything about the story, it it left me feeling feelings that I wasn't expecting. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely want to check this out because – 90s Winona Ryder, um, she top top crush for me, and I loved how she was in all these um historical films. Listen, I not to get into like a tangent or anything, but I'm just gonna briefly say that I straight up think that one of the greatest performances that Martin Scorsese has ever directed was her performance in The Age of Innocence. Oh, what a good film! Like. I just watched that for the first time less than a year ago, and I absolutely loved every second of it. And one of the massive highlights of that film was Winona Ryder's beautiful performance. Like, and that was like at a point where she was like on a streak of getting like all these nominations. She got nominated for that, and then the following year she got nominated for Little Women. But then she was also in Reality Bites. She was in The Crucible. Girl Interrupted. Film. Like. I mean, she was on fire. And then think about how before that she was in Heathers and Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands and Dracula. Like, th the girl was literally on fire in the late she 80s. She was in the 90s, it girl. She was. Yeah. And I just love now that she's back on a hot streak with Stranger Things screaming, Where is my son? Can you fix my boy? I just... <laughs> I, I love that now she's back on this streak of scream from the top row. It's well, my son. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. We we can't let this turn into a Winona Ryder podcast. Maybe an episode with that will happen down the road. So stay tuned for that, everybody. So my number two is a film that I passed on before, The Prestige from Christopher Nolan. Oh. Listen, like you said, how could you not love a movie? where it's Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman battling it out. First of all, I mean, two literal daddies battling it out. Like, oh my God, they're magicians. And then they battle it out. And it's like, 
this to me is maybe the best movie about magic that I have ever seen. And look, there's obviously so many great movies out there about magic. And maybe I'm just not thinking of any other ones right now on the top of my head. But I have never seen a film about magicians that has left me on the edge of my seat. That has left me biting my nails and just sh shrinking into my bed and just watching. I just, I was left in awe by this I really think that other than Insomnia, I really think that this is Christopher Nolan's most underrated movie. And it's so unfortunate that this movie does not get the recognition it deserves considering that Christopher Nolan directed it and stars Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, and Scarlett Johansson in the three leading roles. I mean, think about the fact that these are three actors who have done comic book movies. And at the time... Christian Bale had just finished his first film as Batman, and Hugh Jackman was in the middle of playing Wolverine. So these were two very big people, and Scarlett Johansson was obviously a hot name at that point. She still is to this day. But then you factor in the rest of the ensemble that's here. Maggie, when you didn't bring up Rebecca Hall, I was like, oh my god, how do you forget Rebecca Hall? <laughs> because Sorry, I didn't do it on purpose, I promise. I, I'm sure you didn't, but there's Rebecca Hall stands out there that are probably like, oh, Maggie didn't bring up Rebecca Hall, what the Look, fuck? I wasn't, I wasn't reading it from a cast list, I was reading it from my mental catalog of personality. I, 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 I understand, I'm just messing around with you, but... Yeah. I love Rebecca Hall, don't get me wrong, don't come for me, Sam. <laughs> Rebecca Hall is so fucking good in this movie but I mean again she's another actor to where it's like when isn't she good like she's Rebecca Hall of course duh and then honestly I'm not a big Piper Parabo fan but she was really great in this movie too and then I loved Andy Serkis's role in this movie I thought he was great but the casting that I need to talk about listen I don't know if you could get better than having David Bowie play Nikola Tesla. <laughs> oh my God. I remember when I first saw this movie and I was like, why does this man look so familiar? When I realized that that was David Bowie, I was like, no fucking way. Wow. It was an inspired casting. It absolutely was and i feel like even using the word inspired feels like an understatement it's so Brilliant. good it's a great casting but i love the fact that no one also blends all these different tones into this one movie it there's sci-fi there's mystery there's thriller there's magic there's psychological trauma like it's very hard to come across a great film that bends together multiple genres. It could feel so jarring, but surprisingly, Christopher Nolan is able to put it all together so seamlessly that it all blends together beautifully. And the entire time I was watching this film, I had no idea where it was going. The twists and turns are so unexpected, and I would love for Nolan to direct another thriller because he's really not done anything like this since this movie's come out and look obviously i love a lot of the stuff that he's made since the prestige like the two dark knight movies and inception dunkirk it took me a while to warm up to tenet but i am a fan of tenet it took me a while to warm up to interstellar but i'm a fan of that and don't even get me started on my hype for oppenheimer do not even get me started i'm so excited i, I am so ready for the world to see future Oscar nominee Killian Murphy. I am so ready for that to happen. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I love that man so 
so much. I mean, how can you not? How, how can you not? Like, oh my god, what a truly visionary human being. But yeah, this film is stunningly shot. The costumes are amazing. The sets look great. The performances are electric and captivating. The film is so unpredictable. It leaves you on the edge of your seat. This, to me, is one of Christopher Nolan's top three films. It ranks very high for me in terms of his films. And I'm not going to say my number one because when Oppenheimer comes out, this is a very massively big announcement. Months ahead, when Oppenheimer comes out, there will be a Christopher Nolan discussion. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. It has not been recorded yet, obviously. But I cannot wait for you guys to hear my top five Christopher Nolan films. The Prestige is amazing. And if any of you out there love Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, the entire cast I listed, films about magic, thrillers, period pieces, all that stuff, you need to put The Prestige high up on your watch list. And if you don't, you will regret it. This is 1000% one of Christopher Nolan's best films, one of Christian Bale's best films, and it it's just so incredible. And every time I've watched it, I pick up on new things that I didn't notice the previous viewing. It's so fucking good. I'm so glad we both had it in our top five. And I'm so glad that we both got to talk about it today because really, what a picture. To quote Al Pacino on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, what a picture. <laughs> so good so good it's so good but not as good as our number ones so (laughs) maggie what is your all-time favorite film starring mr christian bale so it is american psycho i truly cannot believe this film is 23 years old um i yeah yeah (laughs) I feel like this is going to make me sound like a crazy person, but bear with me, hang with me, stick in there. Um, I've seen this film probably over a hundred times. When I was in college, specifically sophomore year, um, I was a depressed girly and one of my best friends lived in England and we would set up, um, I don't, they have them now on like streaming platforms, but back in the day there was like a site that you could go on that you could like illegally download movies and watch them and like joint stream them and we would joint stream this like once or twice a week uh (laughs) and i like lived all alone in a dorm and so i would just like set it up and like watch it and we'd watch it like maybe a couple times a night so i've seen this movie a lot it is one of my all-time favorite films just in general um because i love films about crazy men um, specifically <laughs> films about crazy men that are directed by women. So they're the reason why, like I referenced Fresh earlier in the conversation where we were talking about Adam McKay. Um, I love Fresh. Fresh to me felt like a millennial, like modern day American psycho in a lot of ways, like obviously a completely different plot, but the crazy male ego, psychopath, charm, all of that, like there's very similar themes between those two films and like the reason why I loved Fresh as much as I did. I think that American Psycho is one of the best films and one of the most timeless films about psychosis of the, the, the male gender. Um, and I think that the way Christian 
Bale plays this role is just so compelling and so addictive and so I don't want to say memeable because it's that like feels like it's undervaluing like how good this film is and how good his performance is but like it is one of the most quotable movies I reference hip to be square like at least once or twice a week <sighs> Um, the face that he makes, like, there's so many things that, like, come to mind when I think of this movie, and it's really, like, it's, it's so memeable, because, like, you, you recognize the meme, the business card scene, the putting on the, the, I'm blanking on what it's called, the waterproof thing that he puts on, the coat thing, like, the, the, the raincoat, everything about it. Yeah, the raincoat, that's the word, like, that thing that you wear when it's wet, um, <laughs> when it's gonna be blood, um, there's just like there's so many things about this movie and about this performance that are just so good, and of course we also have like American Psycho that was on Broadway and on the West End, and nobody is ever going to top how Christian Bale plays Patrick Bateman, but I will say like the cultural impact of American Psycho and what uh, Mary Heron did with this is just just phenomenal every just it's it's like you know when you love something so much you're like it's just good you just have to believe me mm -hmm. it's so so good i love this movie i have rewatched this movie even after i got out of my christian bale psychosis of my own just so much about this it's just it's such a good movie i don't say it's fun because it's harrowing um and stressful as all get out but it is just so, 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 so good. <laughs> and it's my number one. I, like, there was no contest um, when it came to trying to figure out who my top five was when you told me I needed five. I was like, okay, well, American Psycho, who's the other four? <laughs> um, there was just, there was no question. Hey, Paul, it's also my number one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it when I saw that you had watched it the other day. I was like, okay, it's going to be his number one, too. So... This is a very um, sad thing to admit. Two days ago, at the time of this recording, I had never seen this movie in its entirety. And I thought I did. But it made I, it to number one. I literally, like, I could have sworn that I watched this when I was in film school. I swear I watched this when I was in college. But then I was watching it the other day, and I'm like, maybe I didn't watch this in its entirety, I guess. But, oh my god, I was riveted the here's, entire time. Here's what I'll say to that. You're not the first person I've heard that was like, I could have sworn I watched this movie, but I never watched it. Yeah. I think that is a testament to the cultural impact of this movie because it has so permeated through every aspect of not only film discussion, but just modern pop culture that it has become like a juggernaut. Like, you know something about this movie, regardless of whether you've ever seen it or not. You yeah. Know you know a quote, you know plot points you know you know something about this because it's just it's part of culture now basically oh seriously i mean this film again you know how i brought up with the procedure of how it blends so many different tones into one movie and somehow miraculously works mm -hmm. american psycho does the exact same thing this is a horror movie this is a comedy this is a satire there's so many things that this movie does so beautifully and it all pans out into this juggernaut of a picture that just watching it two days ago, I was left in awe. I will admit right up front, I 
despise narration in films i think it's such a cheap gimmick i think it's overused to the core but when you have good narration in film i am not going to push that aside christian bale narrating this movie is some of the best narration that i have ever heard on screen he is so great in this film his role of portraying patrick bateman seriously is one of the best performances he's ever given he disappears into his role he really commits to it he is so freaking funny in this movie when the comedy is there but he's also utterly terrifying in this film listen i was shaken up when he was running down that hallway naked with a chainsaw <laughs> i literally was like how the hell did they get away with this movie even being a thing and i was reading a little bit about the history about this movie the pre-production period was apparently awful it was terrible because uh mary heron was hired to direct the film and she wanted christian bale to play patrick bateman but Lionsgate, who distributed the movie, really wanted Leonardo DiCaprio in the role, which, I mean, look, I love Leo, but I could not see him in this role. I really I don't think... I could never see him I literally role. don't think he would have pulled off this role. And I'm not saying that he would have sucked if he was given this role, but you just can't picture anyone but Christian Bale playing this role. You say that now, I mean, you never know what the product could have been like, but when you think about it, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio... At that point, Leonardo DiCaprio, he had done Titanic... He had done Romeo and Juliet. He had done that shitty Iron Mask movie, whatever the hell it's called. He had done The Beach. It's like, I don't know if he would have been the right fit. And, I mean, granted, we don't know what it would have been like, but he... I think he was still far too babyface. I agree. I agree. And the thing is, him and Christian Bale are the same age. Christian Bale was in his mid-20s when he made this movie, but he didn't have that babyface vibe to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And it has to do with their facial shape. Like, Leo yeah. has a very, like, he, it took, and he still has it. He has a very round face, which helps to give him a lot more of, a, like, a youthful look. Mm -hmm. But the shape of Bale's face is more long, and so it gives, like, a more, like, mature look, even though they are, like, basically the same age. Yeah, exactly. And, um... Because Mary Heron really wanted Christian Bale, she was fired from the film, she was replaced with Oliver Stone, and then both he and DiCaprio left the film because of creative differences. Mary Heron was brought back on, and she was allowed to cast Christian Bale, and here we are talking about this movie, and Christian Bale's performance truly is incredible, and I really have to bring up the fact that the way he talks about music in this film is how I talk about movies. Not to, like, that extent, <laughs> but when I was watching the movie and then he has that whole spiel about Huey Lewis, I'm like, this is literally me when it comes to movies. This is how my friends see me talking about movies. And, you know, for a long time, Anytime I heard Huey Lewis in the movie, I always thought of Bats in the Future. And that's still going to happen. But now, every time I think of Huey Lewis in the movie, I'm just going to think about this one. This is going to be the first thing I think about. It's like, oh, Christian Bale kills Jared Leto with an axe with hip, being, hip to be square playing in the back. 
Um, I mean, he honestly, he really did us a service with that scene. He did. He did. And can we just also bring up that the soundtrack for this movie is absolutely banging? There's literally all these incredible 80s hits. And here's the thing, too, that I didn't realize. About halfway through the movie, I'm like, wait a minute, this takes place in the 80s? What? It doesn't feel like that, but... It's very well done in the fact that it's very timeless feeling, even though there's major hallmarks of the 80s, like the way that he listens to music and all of these things that are like, oh, so nostalgia driven for me. Seriously, I mean, like, God, all the music chosen in here, you know, like, listen, I think one of the greatest entrances in film is when he's walking into his office and walking on sunshine. He's playing and he has those headphones on and then he goes into his office. I love that so much. And then you hear David Bowie, Phil Collins, The Cure. What, you, his whole spiel about Whitney Houston was great. Um, God, like everything about this movie was great <laughs> do you like phil collins i've been a genesis fan ever since the release of their 1980 album duke before that i really didn't understand any of their work too artsy too intellectual and i'm like <laughs> this is literally me when talking about film like i feel seen except for the killing part but like i feel seen I like, brian <laughs> don't don't let this be a fight club <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but it's so good, though. And really, what a riveting character arc because there are parts in the movie where you're like, do I want to root for Patrick Bateman? Because, like, Christian Bale is so good in the role, and you're like, oh, but he's such a despicable human being for doing all these terrible acts by killing all these people. And there, and there's a certain kill that watching the movie really bothers me. I'll talk to you about it off camera because I don't really want to talk about it right mm-hmm. now because I'll say a lot about it. But I really found the kills to be utterly terrifying and very compelling and i love the whole climactic chase scene where he's running around new york and going on this random killing spree and he's doing all these things and it was so great i loved it so much and the whole ensemble around him too is very very good even the actors that have very little to do I mean, I can't tell you my favorite of the supporting cast. I loved Willem Dafoe. I loved Justin Thoreau, who I usually do not like. Josh Lucas was good. Chloe Savini was great as the secretary. She was so good. Reese Witherspoon was so annoying as Evelyn, but it worked really, really well. That was at the point where Reese Witherspoon was playing all these characters. Tracy Flick, and then l woods and then she played this character and it's like yeah and then jared leto for his little time as paul was really really great yeah i love american psycho i do think that it's the best performance that christian bale's given i also think it's the best film that he's been in in his career and i think the film flew by there wasn't a single ounce of fat to be found It never skipped a beat. It was never uninteresting. The entire time I was very, very engrossed. And that's a credit to Mary Heron and the writing and Christian Bale's performance and everything else in this film. Like seriously, like you said, this film was very timeless for it being a almost 25 year old film, but also a film that's set 30 years ago. It's really impressive that this film came to fruition and we got what we got yeah, I love it so much. And the phone call that he makes to his lawyer, how it just stays on his face the whole time for like two to three minutes. 
Um, if he had gotten nominated for an Academy Award for this film, I guarantee that would have been his Oscar clip because seriously, that is one of the best performances of Christian Bale's career. If not to me, I think it's the best acting he's ever done. Yeah, I love this movie so much. I'm so bummed that I didn't see it in its entirety until just two days ago. And yeah, what more could be said about this movie that hasn't been said? All the memes, all the funny faces, the dances and everything. It's really incredible. American Psycho is my favorite film starring Christian Bale. I love that we are in agreement on this one. Me too. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was even going to make your list, but then I'm like, you can't make a Christian Bale top five and not have American Psycho on your list. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, there was truly no question in my mind that it was going to be number one. It's just so good. And it's a movie that I just, I think about a lot. Like, like I said, like the way that Huey uh, was in the news and like had to be square and like all of these things just like it cemented itself as a movie that is unforgivable. Seriously unforgivable but it finds a way of really compelling you and engrossing you and it's kind of sad that um mary heron hasn't really done a lot of directing since this. yeah even though it's like hugely successful yeah and i would love to maybe down the road and i really hope she'd be willing to do this i would love to see her work with christian bale again I don't care what it is that they do. I would just love to see them collaborate on another project together. It could be a limited series for all I care. I would just love to see Mary Heron direct Christian Bale on another project again. Yeah, I would love to see it as well. Like, seriously, come on. Let's make that happen, please. Somebody out there, if you're a, a writer or someone that works in Hollywood, uh, pitch Mary Heron and Christian Bale's second collaboration, please. Please and thank you sincerely, Brian Sutfield. And please credit me for that. <laughs> Twitter at Brian Sutfield. Thank you very much. So <laughs> before we get into talking about some of the films that didn't make the cut, let's recap our list from five to one. So Maggie, what is your list? My list includes from five to one, The Prestige, Vice, The Dark Knight Rises, Little Women, and of course, American Psycho. And to recap my list, coming in at number five, The Fighter, or as I like to call it, The Fighter. Number four, How's Moving Castle. Number three, The Dark Knight. Number two, The Prestige. And number one, of course, American Psycho. So that is it with our list. So now let's go into some of the honorable mentions. So Maggie, what are some films that you wanted to give a shout out to that didn't end up making your top five list? Oh, gosh. Um, so I really loved um, The Pale Blue Eye, and that would definitely be somewhere in, like, six or seven. Um, just because, like, I really enjoyed it. I also have liked his previous collaborations with Scott Cooper, so I think those would definitely be somewhere there. Yeah. Um, I also love Ford versus Ferrari. Um, oh! <laughs> I, like, it hurt me not to have it on this list. I, oh, my so God. I'm a, I'm a super secret car girly. Ooh. Um, I like, I love Rush. I love Ford versus Ferrari. <sighs> like, I'm very, very excited about the upcoming driver film that involves Enzo Ferrari. Uh, yeah. So I just, I love car films. I love the way that they approach them when it's more about the humans rather than the racing. Uh, and that's why I really enjoyed Ford versus Ferrari. And I don't feel like enough people talk about that film, but that is definitely a film that I really appreciate his performance in and then i also like the film is 
good. I don't, I don't know how to say this. It's like it's a good film. Some of the casting is not the best, but the topic that it discusses is like an important topic that should be talked about, and it's the promise. Um, I did an episode with Nicole Ackman for uh, Petticoats and Poppies on this film, and that was the first time that I had watched it. Um, I had actually missed it um, because it came out in like 2016, so it was a little bit after my male binge. Um, but it is a film that I say everybody should watch because I think this is a, a conflict that is not often um, talked about. And Christian Bell is in a, a mainish role, really Oscar Isaac is the main character in this. He's really good at it. It's, again, he's not the right person that should have been cast for that, but I'm glad because it brought awareness to something that I think a lot of people didn't talk about. So it's a really good film, and I think that it would definitely be on my short list because it's it's just it the topics is is necessary. Yeah, um, Ford v Ferrari is amazing, and it's very underrated. Even though it got so much great buzz critically, it was even nominated for Best Picture at the mm-hmm. Oscars. James Mangold is a fucking great filmmaker. He's one of the best that we have working today, and he is one. Th- thousand percent the main reason why i'm excited for the new indiana jones if he weren't directing it honestly and i i don't mean to offend the indiana jones stance out there i do like the indiana jones movies but i wouldn't be as excited to see it if it weren't for james mangold like him coming on to direct it is why i'm so excited to see it what he did with logan is what i hope he does with indiana jones by sending off that character in the very beautifully like beautiful way but also making it still a fun popcorn film i'm very excited to see that for him forfi ferrari rocks i mean oh my god his work as ken miles is exquisite and i mean i think that's the last time he said that he'll ever commit to like method acting to where like he'll lose weight gain weight i think that'll be it because he did Forfi Ferrari immediately after doing Vice. So when he sh- finished shooting Vice, he lost all that weight very quickly. And then he did this movie and he was so gaunt looking. And it's like, oh my God, like, wow, just wow. And he is incredible in this. And the art that he gave Ken Miles is beautiful. And that ending, oh my God. <laughs> oh man yeah seriously oh god so good and the race sequences in this are some of the best that you will ever see on screen and i'm so fucking happy you brought up rush maggie because rush is so good oh my god it's honestly one of ron howard's best movies and nobody talks about that it that film is criminally underrated that film should have won everything that year. I don't care what else was on the docket that year. That film should have won everything. Why the fuck I, was yeah. Daniel Brühl not nominated for the Oscar when he was nominated literally everywhere else? Literally, 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 literally. I will never, ever, ever forgive the Academy for that. It hurts me. Just, uh, I could. That's when you do Daniel Brühl, I will I will talk at length about that. Yeah, um, I, there's only three there's only three actors whose entire filmographies I have ever watched is Christian Bale, Adam Driver, and Daniel Brühl. Well, I'll ha- well since I already did an Adam Driver episode, I will put you down for Daniel Brühl. <laughs> so I will put you down for him whenever he has a new film coming out. So you're one thousand percent. I'm not doing a Daniel Brühl episode if you're not doing it. <laughs> it's like it's either Ma- Maggie's doing it, or if she doesn't do it, then there's no Daniel Brühl episode happening. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's see what else is there in terms of Auburn match. It's, oh, my God, the big short slapped. He was so good as Michael Burry. I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised he got an Oscar nomination for that performance, but I think for his short time on screen, he really knocked it out of the park. I'm not too crazy about his hairstyle in that movie, but that I'm able mm-hmm. to push that aside because the performance was very, very good. And that wasn't the first time where he played the character with a glass eye, but we'll recognize that as the only film that he's been in where he has a glass eye. We're not going to count the recent film that he did. So we're not going to count that. So just to let everyone know that um, he's very good in that movie, though. He's he's so good in the big short. Uh, let's see what else there is out of the furnace. Just watched it very recently. My dad loves that fucking movie. I feel like that's a movie that all dads love for some weird reason. But yeah, I really liked it a lot. I, I do like Scott Cooper. Um, the Pale Blue Eye, I wasn't in love with when i saw it but to be fair i watched it when i was super tired so it wasn't the most ideal state to watch that movie but christian bale rocked in that movie he was so good in it and yeah out of the furnace i love i love that entire ensemble i love casey affleck woody harrelson is unhinged in that movie zoe saldana is great love that ensemble fantastic film and I will admit on air, I cannot stand Terrence Malick. I don't like his movies. <laughs> but The New World was pretty good. I really liked that film a lot. And I really liked his performance as John Rolfe. He was very good in that. And, you know, what's fitting enough is that Christian Bale actually had a voice role in Disney's Pocahontas film. And The New World is another adaptation of Pocahontas, but in a more realistic way. And it's just like, oh, Christian Bale has a knack for starring in Pocahontas films. So I wonder if they're going to make another Pocahontas film down the road. And Christian Bale finds his way of being involved in that. So we'll have to see what happens. He's so good in that movie, though. That's a very, very good movie. Um, Yeah, I, I loved The New World. I don't know what it was, but like... The score, the costumes, the editing, the the imagery by Lubeski is impeccable. And... Okay, I have to bring up, because of how much I really like James Mangold, and how I'm so angry that I didn't get a chance to rewatch this film, because I watched this in high school and absolutely loved 310 to Yuma. I have never seen the original, and I know that the original is regarded as a classic Western but if you wanted to ask me some of the best remakes ever made, this 1,000% makes that list because this is a very thrilling Western action film. And his back and forth with Russell Crowe is so perfect. They work off each other so terrifically. And yeah, I love 310 to Yuma and I have to shout that out because like it's seriously so good. But... I'm trying to look up to see if Christian Bale has any films coming out, but I can't find anything that he has coming out down the road. But whatever he has coming out, I I hope it's great. I mean, there's a rumor going around that he's supposedly going to be in the Bob Dylan biopic that James Mangold is directing with Timothy starring in it. 
And I will be upfront and say that that would be very, very cool. Christian Bale and Timothy working off each other. I have not seen Hostels. I've heard that film is very, very good. But I think it would be very cool for Christian and Timothy to work together again. And also, I think it's great because they both played Laurie in Little Women adaptations. So I feel like... That was like a big thing when Hostels came out. And then after it was announced that Timothy was going to be Little Women, it's like, oh my God, both Lori's literally worked together. Shook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say there is one movie we have not mentioned um, that is very recent, which is Thor Love and Thunder. He was great as Gore. Like, I, I know a lot of people did not like that movie. Again, I'm here with all the unpopular opinions. <laughs> I, I really love Love and Thunder. Uh, and I really specifically loved it because I love Christian Bale and I love what he brought to Gore. And he also gets to join my collection of sad dads in Marvel <laughs> who do things. Uh, speaking of Daniel Brule, like sad dads doing things in vengeance of their children. Yeah, give me all of that, Marvel. I will gobble that up. That is my catnip. Uh, so getting the, the second that I realized that he was another sad dad, I was just like, mm chef's kiss this is a great movie and like i'm a really i'm really hard on marvel movies and i think it says a lot that i enjoyed this movie because it it hit the things that i like about this specific like tropes that they were fulfilling with this and i like the way that his like i i don't remember where i said this but i so i really hate redemption through death yeah but i like the way that they handled redemption through death for gore and the way that he he had his moment of turning was driven by his daughter and knowing that you know all that kind of stuff like i i love that that's what i loved and the performance that bale gave in those scenes just the the he, again it's it's the the patrick bateman of it all he managed to balance like this manic crazy emotion that gore was feeling and like the driven to insanity psychosis thing so well so then when you see those certain turns it just is beautiful he was very good as gore the god butcher but i feel like we all knew that he was going to excel in that role like he oh yeah I, I do think it's very cool that he got to work with taika waititi i think it's just so cool that he got to speak taika waititi dialogue but yeah, Thor Love and Thunder, I, I really didn't like that movie. I know it's not everybody's favorite. <laughs> and and I don't and I don't hate Marvel. I'm not like I used to be a big Marvel fan, but really after Endgame, I was like, alright, I'm ready for Marvel to be done. But I still go out and watch all the movies that they do. I'm very far behind on the TV that they do, but um Thor Love and Thunder, I think, was at its best when Christian Bale was on screen. I really think that when Gore was on screen, that's when the film was at its best. That whole fight in black and white, I thought, was so cool and so out of left field for Marvel. But the entire movie surrounding him was just so... Ugh, I, I didn't find it funny. I thought the CGI looked bad. And I feel terrible for saying that because I know there are fans like you out there for this movie. But... I don't know. I just, when I saw the movie, when I left it, I was just like, oh, that's it? Oh, okay, time to go home. But 
I loved I loved the mid credit scene with a particular actor from one of the best shows on TV right now. I'm not going to say who that is because obviously this movie is only like five look, six months old. But look, that actor that actor posted a picture of themselves and that role on all of their social media. Oh. So I do believe that is is no longer a secret. Okay, fine. Listen, when fucking Roy Kent came on screen, I literally died. I was like. Okay. He's there. He's there. He's there. Right fucking there. Oh, so good. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, so good. So good. I love oh, him so, so good. I cannot wait to see him in this universe as Hercules. Like, come on. That's that's just oh, it's so good. But to close out our discussion about Christian Bale and to give our final thoughts, this man is quite the actor. This man is quite the performer. He is so dedicated. He is so motivated. He gives 110% every time he's doing a movie. Even when he's doing some shit fest like Terminator Salvation, he is giving it his all. I love him to death. I've been a fan of him since I was a kid. And as I got older, I have grown to love him even more. And the last thing I'll say before you speak in your final thoughts is I will always remember when I went to go see the Fida with my father and my dad said to me, that's batman and i said that's not batman he's so skinny he's like no that's batman and i'm like oh my god it is like it took me like three scenes to recognize that that was bruce wayne and i'm like oh he's so thin <laughs> like the range he went from playing batman to a dickie eklund like what i love it so much <laughs> i had to bring up that story because it's it makes me laugh every time but yeah what are your closing thoughts on christian bale I adore this man. I just, I don't know. I saw him as Batman and it like awoke something in me. And then I watched all of his films and just fell so in love with his commitment to the art. And while, like I said at the top of the podcast, like I have very negative opinions of method acting. I think that he seems to mostly reserve his method acting for the things that he can physically do to himself rather than transforming his personality into an unredeemable dick on set um you know bearing in mind that you know someday somebody could say something um so at, at this point i i don't know of him you know using method acting as an excuse for being terrible to his co-workers and like i've heard mostly only positive things about him from people that i know who have worked with him which kind of is the reason why I'm like well I guess I'll give him like the benefit of the doubt when it comes to method acting and that's really like my only hiccup with him um but I love his dedication to the craft and the fact that I really do believe that he is one of the best actors of his generation I keep realizing that I can no longer really say like one of the best actors of this generation because there is a whole new generation of people um, that are coming up that are now in their own generation but of the people that he is peers with like I even think that he's better than Leonardo DiCaprio and I love Leo I, I agree I, that, I agree like there's certain kinds of roles that Leo is like perfectly suited to and those are like Gangs in New York and Titanic and I don't know, I'm not going to start listing off Leo movies. But like, you can't forget Catch Me If You Can, Maggie. You can't forget yes, Catch Me If You okay, Can. That's my, okay, that was the one. That, that was my next one. Because, like, Gangs of New York and Catch Me If You Can are, like, two of my all-time favorite movies, like, period, in the world. Um, but, like, I still think that Christian Bale is, like, a better actor in the things that I have seen him in, which is everything, with the exception of one movie. And I just, I think that he's 
he's so good and I hope to see him win more awards like throughout the rest of his career and I like that he has finally reached a point where he is doing fun things like gore like he obviously did that for his children and that makes me exceptionally excited to see the potential because once actors start doing stuff that is clearly aimed for their family you start to see them opening up and doing a lot of more fun I don't want to say risky roles, but risky in terms of breaking from the mold that they have created for themselves. And that is something I'm very eager to see with Christian Bale, because because there's like so much stuff that he has not done yet. Like, you know, we talked about how much we want him to do like historical dramas with some romance because he has not really done that much romance. Like there's subplots in some of his movies. But he's never done a strictly like romance movie and I would love to see him do things like that and I would love to see him do a historical romance where he gets to actually use his English accent yes um and so just there's just so much I would love to see for him like I I also would love to see him do some just like really crappy like the action movies because oh, I yeah. definitely some of my favorite actors have done those and they're fantastic and they're fun and it's usually when you get to see the actors be like the most liberated because they get to actually have fun with what they're doing. Yeah. And there's just, there's so much left in his career that I'm really excited to see. And I feel like he's maybe finally turning that corner where now he can do things that are more fun. I, and I think the pale blue eye is another one that definitely is not, not in the vein of things he's done before, but I think there's a, a certain degree of like, cause obviously he's worked with Scott Cooper before. But I think there's something to that film that, for me, felt like a turning point because it no longer felt like he was striving to get that nomination. It felt like he has found stories that that resonate with him that he's having fun with. And that's all I want for him and his career. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. So, Maggie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Film Fragments today. Thank you so much for coming on here to gush from me about the genius that is Christian Bale. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. It's been such a joy to get to revisit these films and act like an absolute goober with my love for Christian Bale. <laughs> I couldn't have asked for a much better guest to talk about Christian Bale. If so, really, this was a great way to kick off the new year. I'm so happy that we got to gush together about this man, but also getting to meet you. It's been really, it's been an absolute joy getting to talk to you these last two hours. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Of course. So where could the people find your work online? Your plethora of work. Oh, my God. There's so much. <laughs> there is so much. Uh, so the easiest way to find all the myriad of things that I do is over on Twitter at Maggie of the Town. I have a link tree in my bio that has all of my various pursuits. Uh, you can also follow me over on Instagram. I'm trying to use that more, uh, which is the Maggie Lovett. It's L-O-V-I-T-T, not like Mrs. Lovett which is L-O-V-E-T-T, but... Ooh, uh, nice sweet yeah, Todd plug. I, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, ironically, Mrs. Love is technically named after one of my ancestors. It's, it's a whole thing um, that I'll, I'll get into off air. Um, but yeah, you can find my link tree on both of those accounts. Um, and yeah, I have, I have lots of lots of things. Um, lots of stuff coming up with Collider as well. So very fun. 
I will link all that in the description below, and you guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube at Brian Suffield. You guys can subscribe to this show on any podcasting platform that you're listening. You guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with the episodes that are coming out, early updates on episode announcements and topics and all that cool stuff. And guys... I cannot wait to bring this show to you throughout the year. We have a lot of great topics coming your way throughout the year, throughout the next couple of weeks, lots of amazing guests. And this was just the beginning, guys. We have so much great things coming your way in 2023. So really, thank you so much for sticking with me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Film Fragments. Let us know your favorite film starring Christian Bale. I'd be really curious to hear your list. And I will see you guys for the very next episode of Film Fragments. Take care, everybody.